This is the Old Radio Show's podcast. This is Ronald Coleman inviting you to radio's most dramatic half hour, Favorite Story. cheered a home-run hitter or sunned yourself in the bleachers of the great American game, you'll enjoy this week's favorite story. It's Casey at the Bat, a yarn that's full of laughter and memories. It's based on the celebrated poem by a newspaper man named Ernest Lawrence Thayer, who wrote the chronicle of Casey back in 1888 when he was grinding out a daily sports item for the San Francisco Examiner. Nobody was more surprised than Thayer himself when his poem turned out to be an American classic, the favorite of every schoolboy and baseball fan. He thought it no better and no worse than his average daily item. As a matter of fact, shortly after he wrote it, Thayer quit the newspaper business altogether and became a successful manufacturer of woolens. Ah, but nobody's forgotten the saga of the mighty Casey and the Mudville Nine. Grantland Rice once said that he'd take his chances on fame and immortality if he had written Casey and nothing else. A hundred legends have come down the years about the real Casey, the swinging hero of the Bush Leagues. We're presenting a yarn about Casey as this week's favorite story. It was chosen by a baseball great, one of the few players in baseball's Hall of Fame, Tris Speaker. He is the goodwill ambassador for the Cleveland Indians, and copped the pennant for them as their manager back in 1920. Like Casey himself, Tris Speaker is a baseball immortal. We have an unusual cast. The stage and screen star Lionel Stander will play Casey, and baseball announcer Hal Berger will play the manager of the Mudville Nine. So here it is, Tris Speaker's favorite story, Casey at the Bat. Play ball! Hi. My name's Nickerson, Hank Nickerson. I'm the manager and part owner of the ball team in Mudville. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a big frog in a little pond for you. Well, now, don't get me wrong. I like Mudville. It ain't Indianapolis, mind you, or Terre Haute, but it's a friendly place. And in my day, I've seen some of the best of them. The great Christian Matheson himself pitched an exhibition game here once. And one day I shook hands with Larry LaJoy. That's right, the great Napoleon LaJoy himself. Yes, sir. But when you come right down to it, the most colorful ball player I ever seen was a member of this here team, Casey. What a sweetheart of a ball player, I tell you. You want to sell tickets to a ball game? Give me a character like Casey every time. Take any summer day. This one, for example. The Mudville fans were out. 
screaming their tonsils out for this big silly goof who knew the format for popping them right over the center field fence onto the roof of the handle laundry. Okay, boss, where do you want it? Any place you want to put it, out of the field. I consider that an order. And watch that pitcher. He's got a low one that's mean, and that ump doesn't like you. Why, that pitcher hasn't any more on that ball than September morn wears. Batter up! Don't rush me. Boss, take that worried look off your face. That pitcher is out there on the mound with nothing but a belt buckle and a prayer. Casey, I said batter up! I got ears, I heard. You don't get sassy. Okay, let's get this over with. And try putting the ball somewhere inside this county. Quit badgering the pitcher. Play ball! Keep your eyes open, Ump. You take care of your job, Casey, and I'll take care of mine. All right, already. Stay right! What? What? Strike! You crazy or something? That ball was so low, it'll have to reach up to touch bottom. What kind of idiots are they send to this league anyhow? Casey, keep your big mouth quiet. If the gentleman behind the plate wishes to be a stupid, no good, blind numbskull, let him. But leave us not insult him. I can see that we got to beat ten men today. And one of them's blind. Okay, Timmy, this one's for you. There she goes. It's up, 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 and over. Don't hurry, Casey, don't hurry. They'll never find that ball. I need to tell you that we won that game. Three to one the score was. Casey made two home runs and a long three-bagger. On the triple, he stole home. And was that ump ever mad when he had to call him safe? <laughs> like I say, Casey was batting way up in the 400s in the ballpark. But with his misses, he was batting a fat zero, zero, zero. And when I seen his kid, Timmy, in the stands, I knew we'd be having a visit from Mrs. Casey. Uh, she was a swell gal. But you'd get a little distemper, too, if you was married to a big walrus like Casey. Sure enough, she storms right into the locker room. Where's that baseball player? Mrs. Casey, please. There are gentlemen in various stages of undress. Ladies are not permitted in the locker room. Where's Timmy? Your boy, Timmy? Why, why, Mrs. Casey? What makes you think he'd be here? Miss Abernathy at the public school said that Timmy didn't return to class after lunch. Mrs. Casey, I am very perturbed to hear this. But your boy is definitely not yep, like here. Like I say, Timmy, uh, watch those pitches. The good ones and the bad ones, too. I got Sometimes you, you can learn as much from the bad ones about Casey. what not to do. Casey! Oh. oh, uh... uh Hello, honey. Uh, hi, Mom. Don't talk to me, either of you. Well, gee whiz, if you didn't want to talk, why'd you come all the way to the ballpark for? Huh, honey? Don't honey me. Timmy, look at me. Yes, Mom? Did you play hooky again this afternoon? Well, Mom, I didn't exactly... I told him he could. There was a pitcher he had never seen, and I figured it's Just of... as I thought. Timmy, how do you ever expect to be educated? I don't want to be educated, Mom. I want to be a baseball player. You see? Are you listening, Casey? I hear good. I heard him. Oh, Timmy, what am I going to do with you? But, Mom, what good's long division? 
I want to learn how to pitch an outside curve. Miss Abernathy don't know a thing about curves. Oh, Casey, you big dumb ox. I don't think I mind Timmy running off from school, but I can't see you're encouraging him. I just can't see it. Kiss her, Pop. That'll do the trick. Oh, honey. Honey. But... Give me. What do you want? You got the prettiest hair of any girl I ever seen. Well, I... And the nicest smile. Uh... And the cutest little crazy nose. And the bluest eyes. Oh, Casey. Casey, what am I going to do with you? Look, honey. Timmy and me will never cut school again. Will we, Tim? Well, if you say so, Pop. Oh, Casey, I wish I could tell you to go jump in the Mudville Pond, but I can't. I just can't. Because I love you too much. <coughs> um, excuse me, gentlemen. I, I, I got to put on some pants. Well, in long woolen underwear, you're the strangest Romeo I ever seen. Hank, you're a card. <laughs> Ain't he a card, honey? Yes, I... Make like a hoop and roll away, boys. <laughs> That's it. A good laugh never hate nobody. <laughs> Me, I wasn't laughing. Because I saw the look in that doll's eyes. She wanted to get Casey out of Mudville. She wanted to get Timmy closer to culture. And in this town, they've taken that word out of the dictionary. Her folks were in Philadelphia. And I tell you, every time I even saw her looking southeast, I got visions of losing my cleanup man. Mind you now, I, I liked her. But in my book, she was like another opposition team on our schedule. And I had to figure her tactics the same way and try to match them. The way I heard it, things began to come to a boil one Saturday afternoon when we didn't have no game. Casey gets awful bored when he just sits around. Well, it happened like this. I'm going to the meeting at the church. Fine, Peg, fine. Now, Timmy, keep practicing your piano for an hour. Okay. Casey, you see that he does, understand? Oh, sure, honey. Timmy, you stick to that piano. I will. Well, I'll be back in a couple of hours. What's that you're playing, Timmy? Let me see. It's called Scales. Scales, huh? It ain't much, is it? No. You want to hear a piece? Sure. You like that, Tom? Sure, sure. It's called Flight of the Butterflies. That's awful sissy stuff, isn't it? No, no, Timmy. Butterflies have got to live, too. Yeah. Timmy, I can't stand it. You and me, we're ball players. You said it, Pop. Come on, son, grab your glove. I'll show you how to throw an outdrop. Gee whiz, will you? Come on. Butterflies, butterflies. Yeah. Okay, throw me a couple. Then I'll show you how to put something special on it. Here we go. Get that left leg up. Wind up slow. Atta boy, let it go. A good one. A strike in any man's lead. Well. Keep working, Timmy, and you'll be a great pitcher someday. Over my dead body, you'll be a pitcher. Jiggers, it's mine. I guess baseball is the only language you understand, Casey. So you better know this right now. As far as I'm concerned, you're up to bat. 
And just now you swung hard for strike two. Peggy, just One more strike, champ, and you're out. And I'm going home to Philadelphia. One more strike, and I'm leaving you for good. Timmy, your mother has the soul of an umpire. Have you ever looked into a dame's eyes when she gets a big idea? It's kind of wild, frenzied look. She starts fizzing like a sparkler on the 4th of July. Well, Peg got a big idea. She'd get to go to Philadelphia and have Casey, too. It was near the middle of the season. Timmy was there because school was out for the summer. And Mrs. Casey, with a smile on her pan from here to center field, charges into the locker room. Casey! It's your missus. What do you suppose I've done now? I don't think anything. She looks happy. Oh, Casey! Oh, oh, there you are, honey. Hi, Peg. Hi, Mom. Oh, Casey, I just received a telegram from Philadelphia. Anything wrong? Everything's very right. It's from my dad. Oh, well, how is the old prune... Fa- uh, the, the, how is your father? Oh, he's fine. Well, Dad's got a good friend in the sporting goods business named Ben Shive. Honey, stop right there. I don't want to go into no sporting goods business. Oh, no, no, no. Ben Shive's bought a baseball team there, together with a young fella named Connie Mack. 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 That name sounds awful familiar. Yeah, sure. He's um, he's a catcher, yeah. With the Milwaukee. He owns part of the Milwaukee team, too. Used to catch for Pittsburgh. Good kid. Sure. Well, uh, what about it, honey? Well, Dad told Mr. Shive and young Mac about you. And they're sending a scout down to see you tomorrow. That's great, honey. Um, why's your old man doing all this? Because you'd be stuck in Mudville all your life if somebody didn't pull you up by the bootstraps. Peg, don't count on this. Scouts sometimes look at your cross-eyed. And sometimes they don't like the color of your hair or something. Just don't count on it. Well, I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, Casey. You get in there tomorrow and play your heart out. And the first thing you know, we'll be living in Philadelphia. We're ready to go back to the days of wide-brimmed hats and bustles, mustachios and bicycles built for two. One of the great players of American baseball has chosen Casey at the bat as his favorite story, Mr. Tris Speaker. The deep-voiced Lionel Stander is playing the mighty Casey in our radio dramatization, and baseball commentator Hal Berger plays manager Hank Nickerson. Now, if you'll slip back into the locker room of the Mudville Clubhouse with us, we'll continue with the saga of Casey at the Bat. day in the locker room, I looks at Casey and he looks at me. He sits there for a long time in his woolen underwear after everybody else had gone home. He just sits there looking at that telegram from Philadelphia. Hey, you better get dressed, Case. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Philadelphia's a big town. Yeah. Imagine they pay well at that ball club. Imagine so. I was thinking, Case, any scout that sees you is sure to want to sign you. Hey, you like that color of your hair all right. Nah. You know, I ain't got nothing in writing with you, Case. But even if I did, I wouldn't stop you from bettering yourself. You know that, don't you? That's real generous of you, Hank. You're like my own brother, kid. I wouldn't stop you from getting into the majors. They're starting these uh, World Series things. They'll be real fat picking. Ah, I don't stand a chance. Of course, i got to admit this won't be the same team without you. Won't be the same town. And without you, we can toss in the towel right now in our big playoff game with Midtown. 
Flynn and Blake. They look darn good. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't want to miss that game, boss. A scout sees you, he wants to sign you. He'll want you right away in a couple of weeks, maybe. Ah, go on. And Philadelphia's a good town, yes, sir. Of course, you can't raise your voice there. Got to talk in whispers all the time, you know. Can't raise your voice? No, no. Got to wear a necktie everywhere. Can't go into a restaurant for a cup of coffee if you don't have on a necktie. You're kidding. No, no. I've been there. High society stuff. Anybody you meet on the street, you bow to them. Bow? Yeah. Last time I was there, I bowed so much I got the lump bagel. That doesn't sound very tasty. Say, I didn't tell you. I had a talk with Hagen, you know, the midtown pitcher. He says he's going to strike you out in the playoff game. He said that. Those were his words. Hank, I don't want to go to Philadelphia. I like Mudville. I, I, I like you. I like playing here. Maybe I'm a dope or something, but this is where I belong. I'm real happy here. What? Casey, whatever made you come to that decision? The next day, sure enough, a stranger shows up in one of the good reserved seats. And he has on a necktie and a wing collar. Now me, I've never been to Philadelphia, but I spotted him. He was the scout, all right. I was watching him out of the side of my eye when the, uh... Officials from the field made an announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, a substitution in today's lineup for the Mudville Nine due to injuries sustained in warm-up. McClanahan for Casey. I strolled into the locker room to kind of comfort the uh, wounded Casey. When in comes a tornado. It was Mrs. Casey doing a slow burn. You could almost see the smoke up pouring out. Casey, why aren't you in today's lineup? Well, I got a sore knee, honey. You got a sore knee like I got a million dollars. Oh, honey, just a minute. You don't want me to have anything I want. You want to stay in Mudville all your life. Now, what's that got to do with my sore knee? I know your tricks. You just don't want that scout to see you, so you're playing possum. Well, you've just swung hard for strike three. You're out. O-U-T, out. I'm taking Timmy and we're going to Philadelphia. Honey, just a minute. Oh, honey. Do you know that dame packed up and went home to mother? Can you match that? Well, you never saw a batting average go down so fast in all your life. It's like I always say. You gotta think home runs before you can hit them. And Casey was walking around in a daze, like a lame bunt. The day of the big game with Midtown, I gives him a pep talk. Yeah, it's no use, Hank. I might just as well get a job in a sporting goods store. I'm through. So, so the gal walks out on you. Try to forget her. I can't, Hank. I, I'm in love with Peggy. And I miss Timmy awful. This one day, try to forget her. It's the big game case. We need you. We need you with your old spirit. Try to be spunky, Case. Give the fans their money's worth. They like their old cocky, swaggering Casey. Yeah, I guess I have been letting the fans down, Hank. 
I guess I've been letting my own troubles make me a bad ball player. And like you always said, boss, the fan's the most important part of the game. I'll swag it, it ain't plenty. But I wish I felt more like swaggering. My old ticker. that day. It was a pretty famous game. It got that way because a newspaper man named Thayer set it all down in sort of a poem. The way he says it was much better than the way I could say it. So if you don't mind, I'll borrow his stuff. It looked extremely rocky for the Mudville Nine that day. The score stood four to six, with but an inning left to play. And so when Cooney died at first, and Burroughs did the same, a pallor wreathed the features of the patrons of the game. A straggling few got up to go, leaving there the rest, with that hope which springs eternal within the human breast. For they thought if only Casey could get a whack at that. They'd put up even money with Casey at the bat. But Flynn preceded Casey, and likewise so did Blake. And the former was a puddin', and the latter was a fake. So on that stricken multitude a death-like silence sat. For there seemed but little chance of Casey's getting to the bat. But Flynn let drive a single to the wonderment of all. And the much-despised Blake... Throw the cover off the ball. And when the dust had lifted and we saw what had occurred, there was Blake, safe on second. And Flynn, hogging third. Then from the dreaded multitude went up a joyous yell. It bounded from the mountaintop and rattled in the dell. It struck upon the hillside and rebounded. On the flat, for Casey, mighty Casey, was advancing to the bat. There was ease in Casey's manner as he stepped into his place. There was pride in Casey's bearing and a smile on Casey's face. And when responding to the cheers, he lightly doffed his hat. No stranger in the crowd could doubt, Twas Casey at the bat. Ten thousand eyes were on him. As he rubbed his hands with dirt, five thousand tongues applauded as he wiped them on his shirt. And while the writhing pitcher ground the ball into his hip, defiance gleamed from Casey's eyes. A sneer curled Casey's lip. And now the lever-covered spear came hurtling through the air. And Casey stood a-watching it in haughty grandeur there. Close by the sturdy batsman, the ball unheeded sped. That ain't my style, said Casey. The right one, the umpire said. From the bleachers black with people, there rose a sullen roar, like the beating of the storm waves on a stern and distant shore. Get it, Billy Umpire! Shouted someone from the stand, and it's likely they'd have done it had not Casey raised his hand. With a smile of Christian charity, great Casey's visage shone. He stilled the rising tumult, and he bade the game go on. He signaled to the pitcher, and again the spheroid flew. 
But Casey still ignored it. And the umpire said, Be right to! Broad, broad yelled the Madden Thousand. And the echo answered, Whoa! But one scornful look from Casey, and the audience was awed. They saw his face grow stern and cold. They saw his muscles strain. And they knew that Casey would not let that ball go by again. The sneer is gone from Casey's lip. His teeth are clenched with hate. He pounds with cruel violence. His back upon the plate. And now the pitcher holds the ball. And now he lets it go. And now the air is shattered by the force of Casey's blow. Oh, somewhere in this favored land, the sun is shining bright. The band's playing somewhere. Somewhere hearts are light. Somewhere men are laughing. Somewhere children shout. But there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has stuck out. Sorry I let you down. You and the fans. Ah, forget it, Casey. Forget it. Turn around. See who's here. Huh? Hi, Pop. Timmy. Oh, Timmy. When did you get back from Philadelphia? You shouldn't have run away from your mother. Well, Pop, I'll tell you how it happened. Mom and me, we were sitting in Philadelphia. I was practicing the piano. I guess she didn't like Flight of the Butterflies either. Because she started to cry. So I went up to her and I said, Mom, no good ball player only gets one crack at the plate. Why, even Ty Cobb himself strikes out once in a while. I guess she agreed, because she came back with me. Is she in here, Timmy? Right there in the stand. Hiya, Casey. Oh, gee whiz. Gee whiz. Go on, kiss her, Pop. Hey, Pop. Hey, Casey. Hey, champ. Better off. <laughs> You've been listening to Casey at the Bat, an original story concocted by Jerome Lawrence and Robert E. Lee from the famous poem by Ernest Lawrence Thayer. One of baseball's immortals, Mr. Tris Speaker, named Casey as his favorite story. Our stars were Lionel Stander and Hal Berger, and we want to tip a baseball cap to Ann Stone, who played Mrs. Casey, and Tommy Bernard, who played Timmy. So we file out of the baseball park with regret. It's been great fun for all of us here to have a good grandstand seat to watch Casey at the bat. It was during my school days in England that I first became fascinated by the rousing tales and verse of Rudyard Kipling. One story in particular deeply impressed me, and many years later I was lucky enough to take part in the production of The Light That Failed. Next week we bring it to you on Favorite Story, when once again I will play the part of Dick Helder, Miss Heather Angel will provide both love interest and hate interest as the unpredictable Bessie. Next week on Favorite Story, Rudyard Kipling's The Light That Failed. 
We hope you'll be listening. <laughs>